Hello, Conversations with Dwyer listeners. If you are enjoying the podcast, but you want a little bit more, you can become a Patreon subscriber. And for $5 a month, you can get bonus content, bonus episodes, and a podcast that I create solely for Patreon, where I talk to comedians about the music that they like. And you get a pin that was created by Charlene Yee of the, the, the Conversations with Dwyer logo. So please, become a Patreon subscriber. The link is in my show notes under All Things Dwyer, or you can just go to themattdwyer.com. Thank you, and enjoy this episode of Conversations with Dwyer. Welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and um, the music that played me in is by Mother Mother, and it is a song called Sick of the Silence, and it is from their new album, Inside, and that is out and has been out for a few days now, unless you're listening to this from five years from now. But uh, it's out on Warner Records. Um, All links to buy this and Mother Mother are in the show notes, and I also should also mention that Ryan Gildemond is my guest today from Mother Mother. We have a very great conversation, um, went into some some deep shit, man. Um, anyway, as I said, uh, go to the show notes. You can buy, or all links to Mother Mother are in the show notes, and as well as um, all things Matt Dwyer. You could, if you go to themattdwyer.com, you could become a Patreon subscriber. Uh, usually I would have video of this conversation, but I effed up and didn't hit record on the video portion. So it's too bad. Ryan's a handsome man. I average. Ryan handsome. Me average. Anyway, you could go listen to the episode, Google some pictures of him. Um, feel free to become a Patreon subscriber and follow me on social media and buy the album. Always buy music. I talk about that. Streaming, big no-no, man. Uh, that being said, please enjoy my interview with Ryan Gildemond of Mother Mother. It's so cool when people segue off into another field of passion and just go for it after being successful elsewhere. I always think that's really commendable. Yeah, I just you got to follow that inner voice, I guess, you know? And I think so many of us get caught in our story or what we think the story should be. Mhm. Agreed. Yeah, and you seem to have been pretty good about that yourself though, following No? <laughs> following your yeah. voice? Yeah, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think the the voice has over like big picture wise, yes. And then, you know, the nuances of one's character, one's, um, you know, the virtue structure, you know, that voice can kind of get hijacked by the ego um, along the way. And coming of age, you can be sloppy and confused and... (laughs) And, you know, not so healthy, not so good to yourself. Um, in terms of, like, music and my, my, my calling, I guess, I've always been really true to, to that. I've always prioritized making music and being a creative person and trying to make that work in a professional sense. Yeah, you've talked 
there's so much I want to unpack with that and just from researching you you and what I saw your TED talk about creativity which was really inspiring and but <laughs> did you just wince? <laughs> no, I, I, that was a that was a, a grateful smile. Oh, okay. I just I was trying to say like thank you. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I was actually just listening to some guy talk about how some people are, are what you call mismatches when the emotion inside of you doesn't match your gesticulation or your expression. Whereas other people are really harmonized, like a person who is feeling happy, they look happy. You know, I think I might be kind of a mismatched person. Like when I smile in, in gratitude, maybe it looks like I wince. <laughs> I get I get that a lot too. People always think I'm like angry or pensive and I'm like, no, I'm actually quite enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah. I got a concert. I'll be watching the band like looking so angry but being so entertained and it's like, Why aren't you having a good time? It's like I'm just I'm wrapped. Have you had people like ask you like, did you not like us? Yeah, I think I think um, I look a bit stoic. Just my my stoic, angry, resting face. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was at a comedy show and I was doing the same thing. And the two of the guys came up to me afterwards and they're like, "Like, did you hate us?" And I was like, "No, I was just like analyzing because it was like this very intricate performance. It was like I was actually in awe, and that's all it was." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen that you've spoke and written about ego a lot. Is that, is, has that been a, something that you have struggled with personally or something that you've tried to keep in check? Yeah, both. Um, I guess we all, we all must. I mean, maybe some more than others. I think for me, I was a really sensitive and shy kid um, almost debilitatingly so and uh, I think I tried to counteract that what I perceived as a weakness by becoming a bit more coarse and gregarious and insensitive you know in my teenage years and then venturing into my adult my young adulthood and getting into the music industry sometimes being flagrant almost feels like an act of survival especially if you're um like sensitive and in innately shy and uh you know you're just trying to survive in this really social um energetic climate um but then you get a bit away from yourself and you realize that your ego is driving the ship and you're not honoring, you know, your truth, your sensitivity, your gentleness, your tenderness. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I've been quite thoughtful of that um, over the, you know, the last 15 years of becoming an adult, you know, a true adult. Yeah. Those aren't tools that I think we're given a lot as young people like to, mm-hmm. to, to check those because these are things that I'm struggling with myself do your song it's all right and I'm not kidding you makes me cry yeah that one really seemed to get its hooks in the uh, emotional body of people um and that that just feels so good to to create something like that I can't imagine what that must and do you come across a lot of people who who mention that to you 
Yeah, that song in particular and the um, just online, the comments and the, the DMs around that song has been pretty, pretty overwhelming. I try to see creativity and songwriting as just like a, I don't know, a collaboration with energy and with something bigger and you know you have a good open channeled day sometimes <laughs> for whatever reason you just wake up in the morning and a song passes through you and that's kind of how that happened with with it's all right literally just i woke up singing the chorus and um i just saw the song it was just like oh there it's it's not i didn't write it it's just it was very clearly waiting to be, um, you know, sculpted into a tangible form that our senses could take in. And some, you know, those are good days, but you don't really feel like, you know, you did it. Some days you feel like you did it, like you really got to turn on your left brain and like, you know, get out the planer and the hammer and like craft a song. And it's a lot of work. And those are good days too. Maybe you feel more of a sense of authorship on those days, but with a song like It's All Right, I just kind of feel grateful to have been around for that energy to attract to me and to push out in something that just kind of made a lot of sense. Was there a process that you had to go through or a series of experiences within your own life to get yourself to a place where you could be open to such, to things coming to you like that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just still a process. Just waking up to, you know, the, the, the truth, like honoring your truth. Um, and that's daily. But, you know, I was incredibly debaucherous and um, debaucherous. Yeah, like I used drugs and alcohol for many years to, I guess, yeah, to, I don't know, survive to protect that super fragile, sensitive, uh, you know, inner child. Um, but then, you know, drugs and alcohol, you just get addicted to them. Like maybe you start using them because you're curious. Maybe it comes from like a good intention. Like I want to see what's on the other side of consciousness or, you know, I want to feel good. I want to feel confident. I want to fit in at this party. Those are all kind of like, those are pure intentions. Um, but then the way that stuff works is you, it gets its hooks in you and you, you become addicted and, um, and you rely on it. So I struggled with that for, for quite a few years, but then I came out of it, you know, I kind of woke up, I, I disavowed it. I debunked it for myself. And, and that process has been going on for about, six or seven years now Thanks. and and in that process i started writing songs that were more vulnerable and and a bit more raw and less cynical and it's all right i i certainly couldn't have written it's all right or it couldn't have passed through me if i didn't um wise up and and get healthier yeah I, i've Actually, today is 140 days of me not drinking, so I... Really Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's been, even in that short span of time, and it is definitely something I've done before, but I don't, you know, before it's been a struggle where this is a time where I'm just like, 
I can't like it's just it's done which is yeah that's so great to have that moment of clarity and that but the things you start peeling away of of what you thought was yourself and like you said ego it's just and what that does to you creatively it does open you yeah absolutely but I, 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 I was wondering and I don't know if this is sort of like a stretch but is there an element of that you of returning to finding that the pureness of that shy innocent kid that you once were in this creative process yeah I, th- I think it's reconnecting to to that that inner child force and then you know telling it that there's nothing wrong with it that it's actually those traits are superpowers and that you know you're free to be to really to be those things now you don't have to protect yourself you don't have to fear judgment because that's th- those are great energies to possess and then you can kind of use that within yourself and you kind of integrate um you know uh a part of you that's been a bit suppressed um, into just being an adult and, and interacting with people and doing your business. And so now I feel like I can be a bit more confident in my shyness or a bit more confident in my, in my uh, sensitivity. Um, I guess like confidence without arrogance, right? Like I've heard it described as that. Um, confidence within vulnerability there's a big difference when you see someone who's just being really raw and humble and like trembling under the the mystery of life but like i'm here and there's nothing wrong with me versus someone's like i'm here there's nothing wrong with me and i've got all the answers and let me tell you what's right um so i i I guess i strive to be confident without arrogance and before, I think I was incredibly unconfident, <laughs> seeming, seeming confident, but arrogant. Yeah. So that, that's been the switch. Do you, did you, when you made that switch, did you feel that career-wise that other, all things started to click more within your life? Yeah, things, everything is better. Yeah. I mean, it's not like boom, the doors blew open and we were just like ushered into stratospheric success, but just things just get better um, and easier. Relationships get better. My relationship with my sister got better, who I'm in the band with. Um, so the songwriting got better. Just that everything gets better. Uh, for one of your albums, you went and you t- t- to the beaches of Costa Rica and then th- for this album, you've done a lot of meditation. Do you have like, or sort of, a process that you sort of a journey of sorts that you have to take before you start getting into an album, be it internal or external. Um, I guess you just kind of respond to what's, what's going on currently this time around. It was a pandemic and that was pretty unique. So it just made sense to, to work that into the, the thematics and the writing process you know, we were all kind of forced inside. Um, if you were lucky enough to take that doctor's orders and extend it into a place of internal um, 
exploration, like I was very privileged in that I had the time and space to like, okay, I'm going to go inside of myself and, and, you know, do some more work there. Um, and then use that as the, the launching pad for songs to make this album. Like, I feel quite lucky that I was in the position to do that, but that's that's how I approach this record. It's like, what's going on in life and how can it become a holistic, creative process around this job that needs to get done? Is, is meditation something that you've picked up recently or is that something you've been doing for a while? I started meditating uh, when I was 30, so for eight years now. Um, and you know, like I'm so bad sometimes, just so negligent. Um, but yeah, it's certainly something that has made my life better, and I think has made me listen more deeply um, and and connect to energy, you know, with with greater nuance. And that that's very helpful with regards to making music. Is there is is are you, is there any spiritual sort of like do you follow Buddhism or anything in that specific or have you sort of made your own? Yeah, I guess like my spirituality is just like, I believe in not knowing that's sort of my religion is just, I love the mystery of the universe. I love that. We don't know what happened before the big bang, you know, and you know, and that's enough for me. Yeah, and that feels that feels divine, even though I I don't attach, um, you know, a symbol or a like a monotheistic figure or anything like that. It, it feels magical, and it feels divine, even though I have no answer for you or for myself. Just because I feel like life is just a really magical experience the good and the bad just to have a consciousness and a body and to be here on the planet and to take in all this information and this energy and then put it back out in your own unique way is i don't know it's pretty crazy (laughs) i mean pretty cool well well, too because you have creativity which i feel like so many people I think if everybody would be more in tune with their creative side, we'd probably have a better society because you have, you can take negativity and turn it into something beautiful, which I think a lot of people like you, it just brings me back to you talking about being a kid. We put on these facades and we lose focus of all those simple things. Mm -hmm. Do do you, do you feel, because I've read about how, you and your sister performed in school together and how that just, that was the moment, the defining, was it, when you were in that moment, were you just like, this is it? It was like an epiphany of this is what my life is? Well, I, I, I remember falling in love with music and I remember, you know, regarding the force as just so good for me. It's like, I really need to be close to this thing. Um, but you know, like it's easy to be pessimistic as you get older, and you know people tell you the odds are so poor, which they are to to have a healthy career in music. So I, I was a bit more like pragmatic, like let's go to jazz school, let's 
just get really good at my instrument and become a session musician and just try to ensure that I could work in the industry in some capacity based on being skilled enough. That was kind of my, you know, my angle. But then I started to write songs in school and started to sing them. And I didn't fancy myself a singer, but the way that made me feel was, was so high was writing a song with a chorus and with a message and singing it. It was just like, wow, this is way better than being virtuosic. Um, and so I just kind of put everything into that. And luckily in the early stages, um, the opportunities just kept coming in almost by like, you know, divine intervention. We were just so lucky at the beginning. Um, and it didn't take long before the band formed into a legitimate structure that had momentum. And so, you know, just haven't looked back since like that's 15 years ago now. But I didn't think I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is it. This has got to be it. It was like, I'm probably going to be a breakfast cook for the rest of my life <laughs> and try making music work because I wasn't an academic like I had. I barely passed high school. I didn't come from a family that was like, you got to be great. It was like, you just be yourself, dude. Um, that was kind of my parents message. Um so I didn't really think I was going to have a really an awesome job because the odds are pretty bad if you don't have credentials. Right. Is that sort of a message that repeated itself as you pursued music or did you, because I came from a working class family and, you know, to become someone creative was just like, what? <laughs> it was like... It was, I could have told my mom a million other th terrible things that she would have probably been more accepting than me wanting to go into theater. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that must have been tough. Did your family, ex were they supportive? Oh, the, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. It wasn't like they weren't overzealous either way. It wasn't like, you got to be a, a star. You got to be a creative person or you have to be a doctor. It wasn't either. They were pretty mellow. I don't even really remember them saying I got to be anything. That's, I find that great because we put so much pressure. I'm a father and I try not to do, but it's like, there's just nothing but pressure put on kids these days or in when I was a kid. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm not a parent, but I get the sense that parents, they, they project their own regrets onto the hopes of their children. And yeah. so, you know, that, that's part of it, but I don't know. I can't, I shouldn't speak to parenting. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, I think we struggle just as individuals, we struggle with our own story and who we are and it's just hard not to, and, and what we take is comfort and put on our kids. Like there's so many people who are like, and you're going to be a football fan. It's like, I don't want my kid to be a football, you know, let them like whatever they fuck they want. <laughs> Agreed. Cause you know how it feels like to be you. And I know how it feels like to be me and we want what we want and we want to step into our truth. And we have the right to do that as, as you know, free people. And, 
I just think about that. I think about the way I feel when I'm, when I'm in a relationship with someone who wants to go off in a direction that maybe doesn't appeal to my own selfish needs. And so I, I transfer that to the idea of being a parent. And if I had a kid that was needing to do anything, you know, so long as it didn't hurt other people in order to step into their truth and to feel happy, I, I don't see how you couldn't do anything but support that because yeah. it's not your consciousness. It's not your body. It's not your soul to sculpt. It's theirs. Yeah. I think that's interesting. What you said though is about their truth. Um, did you, when you started off where you, was there a desire to be famous and wildly successful? Cause I certainly would consider you both. <laughs> um, you know, I don't feel too famous or wildly successful. I mean, it's all good in both realms. Um, I think, I think I, I recognized the, the beauty in sharing, you know, your work. Like I really do like sharing. Um, and so for that reason, I guess I like recognition, not because I need to be recognized as great or anything, but like if I'm part of a creation that just makes me so excited and stirs my soul and it's just like, wow, this is really elevating, then I want it to be recognized. Like I want more people to take part in that exchange. And so, yeah, the idea of getting it out to as many people as possible and maybe that transpiring into some fame as a necessary byproduct. Like I'm cool with all that. Um, but it's more about like getting excited about people having an experience with something that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I don't actually have a big desire to be like seen, especially anymore. I think maybe when I was younger, like I, you know, you want to be seen, you know, me, me, me. When, you know, that ego is driving the ship because you're so insecure and you haven't dealt with your stuff. Like in that chapter of life, maybe like the idea of fame is more exciting. But now, like, I kind of just want to get out of the way of the thing and just be a, a good facilitator, um, be a helpful facilitator of getting the music out there. But I really don't want it to be about me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fame seems like, a, especially for young people in their 20s i'm like oh boy that's a dangerous yeah, yeah geez i mean there's a reason so many bands last three albums and it's yeah. just like no one's built for that like no. no agreed yeah we're really lucky that it took so long that it's been such a like an incremental climb do you think if if things would have exploded right away that how would have that or I don't know, could you hypothesize on what that would have been like for the younger version of you? I think it would have been very good. I didn't, I really didn't have a lot of confidence and I think that would have um, manifested in me trying to create confidence from um, insidious forces. And so I, I can't imagine that would have went very well. I think it would have been just like emotionally, um, uh, I don't know, traumatizing the attention. Cause I didn't, yeah. You know, when you don't like yourself 
and yes, then you're, I do. You're sharing yourself with lots of people. It's really stressful. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Do you feel there's a lot of. I feel just from the bits of pieces I've been reading about the new album, and I mean, there's like an incredible. Does there seem like there's a lot of anticipation for this album to you? I think, yeah, based on the unexpected turn of events in the last year and how our music has been brought to a lot of more uh, hearts and eyes and ears, um, they're probably like, okay, what do they sound like now? Yeah, we love, you know, we love the old music. There's a lot of people that, you know, there's millions of new people that fell in love with the band based on stuff that was written over a decade ago. And so they're probably like, oh, what is, what's the current mother, mother like? And then I think our fans that have been with us the whole time, they're lovely. They're just so supportive and they always just anticipate and, you know, show their excitement. And that means the world to us. Is the is the attention because it? I mean, you James Corden, you've done all these. Like, it's was any album with that you've released had this sort of press and attention, or is this all sort of new? It's all new, yeah, yeah. Like on an international scale, yeah. You know, it's it's like in started making the record in March, February, March. You know, everything was normal except a global pandemic. <laughs> you know, and then come August, you know, we started to discover that, like, you know, there was all these new streams and all these new fans, and that catalyzed like a global, harmonized major label deal, and you know world tours and big press opportunities like none of that would have happened if we were just riding the merit of what we were currently doing all of this is only because of people discovering the older catalog um and so yeah we hope that we can now continue to nurture the relationship this new relationship with the new music and getting out on the road and playing great shows. Um, that's kind of where we're at. It's an interesting place to be. Yeah. I, it, is it at all overwhelming or are you just going, all right, we'll take this as it goes? Or do you have expectation? I, 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 I just, it's such a interesting position. Yeah, it is. I think, I mean, I, I think it would be overwhelming if we were younger and if it, if it was like what we were doing right now was the thing that was just like making everyone go crazy. Like there's almost a, a healthy separation. It's like, I can be happy for, I can be happy for my younger self who wrote those songs. I, I can be happy for those songs, you know, like, ah, oh, like a, like a dad or something like, ah, oh, little buddies, you finally got out there. <laughs> I knew you had it in you. You know, I, I like to, I like to personify a lot and I like to anthropomorphize a lot and then detach myself a lot from things that I'm a part of. It, it feels better. So 
I personally am not overwhelmed. I'm really excited for the thing, for the, for the Mother Mother brand, for the people involved in Mother Mother. I'm excited for myself, of course, for the music, but like, I feel pretty calm as a singular force. Um, yeah. Um, when, just going back to the young you, would, before that performance with your sister, I'm just curious, like, what, when did music start speaking to you and what were some of the sounds and musicians and artists that sort of began to draw you into that world and made you want to play? Um, I know Tom Cochran's one. Yeah. Well, you've done your research. <laughs> Life is a Highway was like a huge hit when I was a kid. And that's one of those songs that if someone mentions it, will not leave my head. That one really, really affected me positively. Um, well, my dad played us the Pixies when we were like 10 years old. Damn, you got a hip dad. Yeah, totally. <laughs> my dad played Burt Bacharach. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but everything changed when when I heard them. That was probably the most pivotal moment for me in music is when I heard the Pixies. God damn, that's so wild because they're so pivotal to so many people. I wonder, like, if Black Francis is aware of how pivotal, you know? Does he wake up and be like, hey, man, I, I'm pivotal? <laughs> well, you know, he probably feels like that you know it's not him he probably I think anyone who like makes who channels such a original and authentic spirited type of music I don't know there's some voodoo at play you know and I think you, you come to realize that he probably just feels grateful that his particular collection of chemicals attracts an energy that has made such an impactful music. I thought I thought he's walking around feeling like all cocky. <laughs> Anytime I felt cocky, it was quickly the universe fucking slapped that shit down right away. <laughs> yeah. And you got to listen to that stuff. Like, yeah. I feel like you do get those messages and I'm, yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely, not to go back to the dream, but that definitely side-railed a lot of my just life. And because with that comes ego, I think. You know, booze distorts that ego. Totally. And so emotional. It's over-emotional alcohol. Yeah, I just, I feel it's weird that the myth of that it helps, and so many people still buy into the myth of its creative spark or that you need to be a little fucked up to be an artist or... Mm-hmm. And it's like, it man, certainly, it certainly helps, but then it certainly makes it worse quickly after. Like, I think there's no doubt that getting your inhibitions down can open you up to heightened emotion, which can create great art. But to do it naturally is better because then you don't suffer a crash. Then you can just keep riding that train. You know, there's no, there's no stopping you if you can learn how to open up and be vulnerable and get the inhibitions down and be wild all by yourself. Then, you know, it's like, okay, 
sweet, I made a great thing, but now I have a two-day hangover. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, hundreds and thousands of days can go to waste because of that formula. Yeah. Do you think, because you spoke about in your TED Talk about forced creativity, which I, there's so much, I, and I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes because I just felt like it's so great for anybody who's enter, even entertaining the idea of being creative. There's just so many great moments of wisdom in that and it's a really fun thing to watch it's like you're charming and funny and it's hey. entertaining <laughs> i'm wincing now <laughs> i've as the irish catholic that i am i felt guilt about that op- missed op- observation <laughs> no there's, there's probably some truth to it <laughs> uh, it's like anytime i see you now on tv or something i'll be like i said the wrong, i said the wrong thing <laughs> no, there he is internally wincing again. I just made a resolution with um, a good friend to, who also is a bit self-deprecating to just say thank you when someone says something nice. Thank you. Because I, I do have a habit of like turning it around like, oh, I could have done better. Oh, oh, must have been a good day. Implying that I have bad day. You know, like that kind of thing. Oh, I, I did that for a very long time and it's only been the last few years that I've been retraining myself to also just like that internal monologue where you do that and it's like after a while man that I think that wears down and it you know I feel like not to sound hippy dippy and whatnot but that you start attracting that in your life if that's the attitude you're going to have then that's the life you're going to have even if it's fake it's becoming less hippy dippy this um you know how energy attracts like energy yeah there's they're starting to quantify that. I, I I surely feel like it's true. Yeah. Well, you know how, like, you know, you take stress to bed, you have a bad sleep, you have nightmares, you wake up, and you're just in a cloud of tension. Like, that's all energy just working itself out. Yeah. And I, definitely my all aspects of my life go better when I'm in a more positive and accepting frame of mind. Mm-hmm. That's great, man. I'm really happy for you. Good for you. Uh, yeah, Keep going. It took some work, my friend. <laughs> what, what was the thing that, like, uh, I, I think awakened it, you? It was a lot of things. Um, one is that my daughter, it's crazy to say my daughter became a role model because she was so enthusiastic about everything. And, like... Mm everything was great no matter like I'd be like how is it great and I was just like I was just like I need that I need that because it was I found it magnetic like I'm like I want that like and that's and I liked obviously I like being around her she's my daughter but like it was like fun it made things fun for me again so I was like I want I want to be that way and I was like all right, start fucking thinking that way choose that choose that yeah, she showed you that you can choose that because she's choosing it. And I'm glad I was, you know, so many people aren't receptive to those things. And they're like, ah, kid. But it's like, no, man, they they can be the teacher, too. How old is she? Five. Amazing. Um, and with that's what I wanted to get before the Pixies. Was there music in your life? I mean, and like, what, what, yeah. And you've mentioned jazz too, because I'm curious what your your jazz likings are. <laughs> um, I start like I, I think I discovered music when I was probably 
three, like four, three or four at a piano in my mom's living room. I kind of, I remember, you know, pressing on the keys and then pressing on them again and then realizing that like a pattern could form. And so I guess I, I, I think I was really into like composition from a super, super early age. Cause even when I went into piano lessons at like five years old, I, I didn't like to practice. I just like to come up with little songs. I really like just making my own ideas. So like music and, and composition and creativity have always kind of melded into one thing. Um, and so that was my introduction. And then, you know, through your dad or through your older brother, you start developing your popular music taste like Led Zeppelin and um, Metallica and Eric Clapton and, uh, you know, Tool, The Pixies, Violent Femmes, Talking Heads. Um, That's a wild, I mean, that's a great because I find your sound so unique that to hear sort of all of this that spirals and goes into into your I guess influence or whatever do you feel mm-hmm. influenced by all of those or yeah I think yeah the Beatles that was a big one um, I think anything that moves you to that extent like like when you're young and you discover I, I remember listening to Rocky Raccoon on headphones when I was a kid and just like being utterly transported I didn't know it could feel so good to be alive like it was just so good and so instantaneously emotionally transforming and so that had to influence me it's like with your daughter like those transcendental moments they change you you take it into your life into your writing into into whatever so i think all the music that i grew up with that really affected me so viscerally influenced me but you know the bands that were weird and catchy like the pixies were probably are most obviously detectable in mother mother's sound yeah, did you find yourself spinning more into obscure and stranger? Not to say that the Pixies are strange, but, you know, more, less popular, I guess, or more experimental type music. Did not articulate that well. I won't lie. <laughs> not too much. I, you know, I kind of also found the bands I liked and then just got really into making the music that I wanted to make. Like I probably spent more time with my guitar and with music developing that relationship than being a, a muso or than, than being a, a music buff, you know, like yeah. the classic guy goes to the vinyl store and I don't actually like, I'm not good at trivia. I don't even like to know too much about like the icons, um, who played on what or where and what studio. So I like to hear a thing that makes me feel good and then go and try to apply that to my own work. Yeah. It's like magic, man. I mean, I don't play, but it has been a part, such a part of my life that when, when emotions like some of your music does to me, like it triggers things. And it's like, there's nothing else like that in the world, man. There's nothing. Even a, no. good, a good dinner. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and it's just crazy. Like, how did we even discover it? Because it, like, music, you know, was its potential existed before we made it, which I find really cool. It's like all the tools to to make music were right there before the the first human uttered a, a melodious thing, and then someone else would oh bang on that because for whatever reason that works. Then all of a sudden you have symphonies and electronic music and throat singing and you know, it's, but all of it was already there. We just had to like uncover it. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I th- think about how every culture, even remote people <laughs> in small parts of the world, have music, and it's just like it's tr- it's truly innate to humanity. Like, yeah, and it's so healing, so universally healing. It's such good medicine. Yeah, it's on all the time at my home, healing me. <laughs> Who's your favorite band? I, that it's hard for me to say, like because I love so much. Like I listen to pretty much like I was listening to Ravi Shankar last week, and then I'll, I was listening to Harry Nilsson yesterday. Who probably I would say like Harry Nilsson has possibly one of my all-time favorite songs, which actually is the one he didn't write. Everybody's talking. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, he didn't write that. No, I he that was actually a cover, which is crazy because he's known for such. Um, uh, you know, for being such a writer. Do you, um, what would your favorite song be? Something I've never asked in this show. <laughs> I liked, I liked uh, his A Little Taste of Schmilson in the Night, that yeah. album made of all the, the classics. A kiss is just a kiss. Yeah. I thought that was a beautiful record, and he performed it live, you know, like with, with that orchestra. Yeah. He was such a maniac too, right? Like just such a wild man, but with such a brilliant, sensitive musical touch. Yeah, I, th- I think he calmed down a little bit once he had kids, but he still was like drinking Brandy Alexander's every night, which is just, mm-hmm. man, that's just double bammy to the heart. <laughs> it's just like, oh, ice cream and booze. Good luck with that, Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He died young, right? Yeah, I think he was in his 50s. He did the Popeyes. Yeah. I oddly became friends with his daughter in, now over a decade ago. So it was like, yeah, to be such a huge fan of his and then get to know his daughter. And then once in a while, she'd give you little gems and you're like, oh, wow. Trying that's, to. <laughs> I that's would, rad. Yeah. Um, but I know you need to get going because you have other things after this. So I don't want to keep you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you. <laughs> I get to I get to put my new practice to the test here. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with the Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber if you like. Also, subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the mattdwyer.com or Conversations with the Wire at the Instagram. And you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.